There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Bogman, and I am joined by Pat Fitzmorris. You can follow him on the Twitter at FitzFF. And today we're going to have Jamie Eisenberg from CBS on to talk about five buy low candidates in Dynasty that you can get right now on the cheap before the draft. But before we dive into this content, I got to let you guys know about some giveaways that we have going on. We have a giveaway for a DK Metcalf autographed jersey we're doing right now. Will S. from Maryland was the winner of that Javante Williams one last month. So congrats. All you need to do to get in on this is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash fantasy pros, take a screenshot, Submit it to fantasypros.com slash science contest. That's fantasypros.com slash science contest. And you are entered into win. Do it as soon as possible because this contest ends at the end of April. We got a lot of stuff going on. Draft is coming up next week. So make sure you get it done before then. Also, I got to tell you that today's show is powered by our dynasty trade value chart over at fantasypros.com slash chart. All of us analysts here at fantasy pros uh, collaborate to make this dynasty trade value chart possible. Uh, the values for all your players, rookie draft picks in both single QB and super flex leagues are in there. They're updated every single week. Check it out at fantasybros.com slash chart. Mr. Eisenberg, how is the quote unquote off season treating you? And um, I mean, are you ready for the draft? I feel like it's, you know, three weeks away and it's like nine days away right now. Yeah. Uh, first off, thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it. It's fun to be here. Um, the offseason has been, you know, certainly interesting. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with um, my nine-year-old son. He said, is this the craziest offseason you've ever had? And I said, <laughs> uh, probably so. I think, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure, feel the same way. Um, it's, uh, it's, it, it's been exciting. You know, certainly a lot of content uh, for us. I'm sure for you guys as well. And, uh, yes, the draft is going to be uh, a very interesting one. Very, very loaded class of a lot of, uh, a lot of exciting prospects. I don't know if there's any stars, but certainly a lot of exciting <laughs> prospects. What uh, what has been the most crazy move 
to you because we've had a lot. Uh, you know, obviously Devontae Adams being one of the biggest ones. That one, that one felt like it was out of nowhere, even though they apparently had this planned since the Aaron Rodgers move and all that stuff. Was that the craziest one, or do you have another one in mind? I think it's the two receivers. It's Adams and Tyree Kill because I think you know we we all saw we all thought Rodgers back to the Packers. Okay, it's run it back because Devontae's going to stay as uh, you know a guy in the franchise tag, and then you know Tyree Kill seemed as if you know he was the cornerstone of of their receiving core, and clearly uh, you know when he started to see these deals, and 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 I think you know we're we're certainly hearing the the word this week with Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown. You know they feel the same way. Um, you know, the, the money made things uh, happen for Tyree Kill. So those two moves are probably the most, you know, startling given the, uh, the, the surprise nature of both of them. Fitzy, you've, uh, you're, you're enjoying the nice cold weather up in the Chicago area right now. You totally were not jealous by my 10 day forecast that I sent you <laughs> at all the other day on Twitter. Uh, is, is that the craziest move to you? One of the wide receiver ones, or is there a different one? Was Russell Wilson maybe a little bit crazier? What do you think? No, I'm with Jamie on that one. I mean, the Wilson thing, not not a shocker. Like, there had been talk about him leaving Seattle for a long time and not being totally content there. And Denver obviously didn't get Aaron Rodgers, so not surprised they made a different big move. Yeah, I think even Hill might be a little crazier than Adams. The Adams thing was maybe, I don't know if you could totally see it coming, but with the Packers so snug up against the salary cap, and wanting to extend Rodgers, it, it made sense, I guess. Um, but the Hill thing was pretty crazy. I didn't see that yeah. coming at all. That Like, that was totally out of left field. It really was. So, uh, look, with that, let's dive in here. We've got uh, e- each of us have five players we want to buy low on in a dynasty league right now. Jamie, you are the guest. We're going to start with quarterbacks. So why don't you tell us which quarterback you would like to uh, buy low on right now? It's everybody's uh, favorite quarterback, you know, the one that we're always excited about and, and everybody wants on their fantasy team and, and certainly the the team that he plays for loves him uh, to death, but it's uh, Kirk Cousins. And, you know, I, I think <laughs> he obviously is uh, is limited as a quarterback. I think we all see that, but his opportunity, I think, is going to be maybe the best that he's had. And he's, he's obviously been one of these guys that's kind of surprised us as a fantasy quarterback because we never really want to draft him and redraft in, in seasonal leagues and you know, I think dynasty, you know, managers kind of view him more as, uh, you know, okay, I'll start him if I have to. Um, and then as the season goes on, you probably end up plugging him into your lineup more times than not. But I think the coaching change is huge for him. You know, Mike Zimmer, if you know, talk to people, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of lucky as a fantasy analyst, I get to go to a lot of NFL events. So I was at the owners meetings. I got a chance to be around Kevin O'Connell. Um, I was at, I was at the combine as well, you know, got to, you know, listen to him and, and, and speak to some people who cover the team and, you know, some sources with the Vikings and just, you know, just a change in the building. You know, I think you're going to see just a different Vikings offense mostly, but a Vikings team, you know, that's kind of got a new voice, a new head coach that's going to just, you know, change the tenor of what that, you know, team looks like. And I think it's going to be good for Cousins and certainly good for Jefferson and Thielen if he stays healthy. And, you know, another guy, I didn't put him on the list, but another good by-low candidate for me would be Irv Smith. I think coming off the injury is going to be huge for him um, as long as he's 100% healthy because, you know, the loss of Tyler Conklin will be you know, a big factor there. But KJ Osborne, I think, is somebody you want to look at also. Um, this is just going to be a better Vikings offense all around, you know. So um, I like the outlook for Kirk Cousins. And obviously, again, the the idea of Kirk Cousins and buying him in any capacity is usually something that people <laughs> tend to, you know, shy away from. So if he's on somebody's bench, I think it's a good guy to go pluck off their roster and you can probably get it pretty cheap. Yeah, I remember reading uh, that 
you know, really O'Connell got this job based on saying how he was going to win with Kirk Cousins. And we do have known Kirk Cousins hater, Pat Fitzmorris on the <laughs> show here. Uh, so let, let's hear, um, let's hear your thoughts about uh, buying low on Kirk Cousins, Pat. And just to let you guys know, a couple guys, if you're looking for a one for one in a one QB league for Kirk Cousins, guys that are kind of in the trade chart around that same area would be like, Russell Gage, Will Fuller, or Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle. Uh, those are the guys that are kind of in that area, which seems like a pretty decent buy, Fitz. What do you think? Yeah, um, I agree. And as far as the Kirk Cousins hate thing, I mean, I will concede <laughs> that there is no better quarterback at getting you 10 yards on third and 12 than <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Um, but I mean, seriously, I've, I've got him on a dynasty roster in a league that I'm in with Jamie. So uh, the, the hate can only be so strong. And I do agree with Jamie's take that the new regime is probably good for Cousins. Like we think of Seattle as the franchise that is overly dedicated to the run to a fault. But Minnesota was kind of right there uh, with Seattle uh, during the uh, last few years. And, and um, you know, hopefully that changes with a new coach in the building. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is a guy that, you know, he can change how he's doing from one half to the other, let alone one season to the other and one week to the other. So uh, I, I a little bit volatile, but I do like the buy low on him, especially with a new OC, getting some confidence going in this uh, offense here from Minnesota. Pat, who is your QB that you would like to buy low on right now? I mean, I can hardly make fun of Kirk Cousins when I'm going to name Daniel Jones here. <laughs> so, um, I mean... First of all, we just like obviously his stock is completely beaten up right now. Uh, but the Giants did just pick up his fifth year option. And I really think Brian Dable is going to be good for him. I think he is going to cater to his strengths. There were stories about how immediately after being hired, Dable contacted Jones and was like, what works for you? What sort of plays do you want to run? Like, go back to high school if you need to. Like, what? Where do you think your strengths are? What are you really good at? What do you feel comfortable with? So hopefully that was sort of indicative of, of the coaching that we're going to get. And I, I do worry about going overboard with that. I, I kind of was a little higher on Sam Darnold than I should have been last year, going from, <laughs> uh, you know, Adam Gase to what I thought was going to be a more nurturing situation. And it just didn't pan out. So I could be making the, mis the same mistake, but um, I think we're going to see more RPOs. Uh, more three and four receiver sets, more catering to Jones's running ability, um, which we saw Dable do with Josh Allen. And certainly I don't think there's a Josh Allen type breakout looming here for Daniel Jones, but maybe he can be the dollar store Josh Allen, at <laughs> least with the running minus the rocket arm. So, you know, I mean, if I, if I could like get Daniel Jones for, pick 201 in Superflex or, or Tony Pollard or something like that. I, I yeah. think I'd take that chance. Yeah, Jamie, I mean, uh, all of the, the weapons are there for Daniel Jones to succeed. He's got good wide receivers. We're going to mention one of those a little bit later. Uh, Saquon Barkley is still one of my favorite running backs. Uh, and we saw Josh Allen have immense success for Buffalo. Do you think Dan Danny Dimes can break through and have a successful season here under Dayball? I do. You know, I, I think, you know, you've, you've seen it's been so unfortunate, you know, when you talk about these young quarterbacks and, you know, you got to give the Giants some semblance of credit, you know, even though you're, you're giving it to Dave Gettleman. But, you know, they, they tried last year with Kenny Galladay and they've tried to, you know, put pieces on the offensive line, you know. And so 
Um, it, it's not like they just left him out there without trying to, you know, and, and Kadarius Tony with a first round pick, you know, so it's not like they haven't, you know, tried to put pieces around him, but those guys just haven't stayed healthy. Barkley, we know the last, you know, two plus seasons, um, obviously, you know, uh, Tony last year, uh, Galladay missing time. Uh, maybe it's addition by subtraction by taking Evan Ingram and it drops off the field and that could help Daniel Jones as well. Uh, there's only one way to go for him. And so I, I think as Pat said, you know, we, we know he can run. He certainly right. has that ability. They just haven't let him do it as much. And, and I'm sure part of the injuries have played a role in that. Uh, but I think, you know, with the two picks, you know, in the first round, um, you know, if they're able to address the offensive line and get better up front, uh, they have a better play caller. I agree. You know, I do think that the coaching will matter here. Um, and it would just help to have his weapons around him for, you know, 13 plus games. You know, let's just see what he could do with Tony and Galladay and Barkley and that group. And maybe Shepard's back, you know, sooner than we thought. And so could be a very interesting offense, uh, you know, for a quarterback that at times we certainly saw it as rookie season that has plenty of promise. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in on a Danny Dimes buyback for sure. I hope he is successful. Uh, for for me, I'm gonna go with Zach Wilson. He's currently uh, on Fantasy Pros ECR and Dynasty QB 20. I have him at 17. He had the rough rookie season for sure, uh, but he's gonna get Elijah Moore uh, is going to be healthy. He only played 11 games last season. Only started six. Uh, Corey Davis only played nine games. They signed CJ Uzama. They have seven picks in the first four rounds to add more receiving talent as well. And a lot of his success, uh, Zach Wilson's success at BYU was a good offensive line. The offensive line is solid in New York. They got Michael Carter. I think it's all about gelling and getting it back together. Uh, Fitz, do you think Zach Wilson could be successful in year two, or is this looking more and more like a Sam Darnold situation to you every day? You know, I don't know Boggs. I I don't know. (laughs) Like I'm, I'm still, jury is very much out there. Yeah. Like I'm intrigued by him. I don't know. I'm hoping they draft another lineman to like really bolster the protection. It would be nice if they added a receiver too. Um, I'm, I'm still very agnostic on what Zach Wilson's potential is. I, I just like that. It's still an open question to me. And some of the, the trade chart guys here that kind of line up points wise uh right with zach wilson or melvin gordon kenneth gainwell tyler boyd russell gage Irv smith adam troutman so there's there's a couple of spots to potentially buy him especially if you need a qb jamie what do you think about zach wilson are, are you buying a bounce back or are you uh legit concerned here uh i i think i agree with pat you know it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of an you know incomplete right now for zach wilson because he didn't really get a lot of time with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, as you alluded to, you know, both those guys missing time when Zach Wilson was healthy. And then as we saw when Wilson was out, especially Michael Carter, uh, a lot of the other guys' numbers popped, you know, whether it was Mike White throwing to Carter or it was Josh Johnson and, you know, the appearance that he had. Um, So Zach Wilson, I think, has still a lot to show us. But again, you know, kind of what I referenced with the Giants, that you you see the Jets are going to try and do something. They they swung and, and missed on Tyree Kill, but they went after him. Obviously, he didn't want to go there. You know, you're seeing all sorts of wide receivers being mocked to them at number 10. Uh, Drake London would be fun to see, you know, to have another upgrade yeah. there. Uh, you mentioned they bring in the two tight ends, Uzama and, and Tyler Conklin. So they're trying to upgrade yeah. that position as well. Uh, both those guys can block, so that'll help the offensive line as well. Uh, also, so there, there are nice pieces in place with one potentially coming, uh, if not more. And so I do think there's certainly a much higher ceiling for him. But is his ceiling going to be, you know, in, in the Baker Mayfield Carson Wentz fantasy range Oof. or is it going to be maybe a little bit higher than that? And so it's just a matter of, you know, what you're spending to go get him. Um, I do think that, again, th- there is going to be a second year improvement. Health will matter. Better offensive line play will matter. Better weapons will matter. But uh, if you don't have to spend too much, I do think that it is a good buy, uh, buy low candidate for sure. 
All right, let's go to some running backs here, Jamie, and you are up first. Which running back do you want to buy low for Dynasty Leagues right now? Yeah, we'll just stick with the Jets and, and, and Michael Carter. You know, again, um, uh, the situation sets up the fact that Tevin Coleman was the only free agent competition that they brought in, you know, bringing him back. I think it's a good sign because I don't think he's uh, more talented than what Michael Carter showed us. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's tied to the coaching staff, you know, from their time in San Francisco. So that's a little bit of a worry. Uh, but I do think that he's, you know, Carter's going to prove to be better than Coleman once again. Uh, the, the difference will come is if they involve him in the passing game the way that the other quarterbacks did aside from Zach Wilson. I think this is where Wilson's kind of, you know, the push-pull of you want the upside of him when he's throwing the ball down the field, but you obviously want to see, you know, from what Michael Carter's standpoint is, will he have some of those dump-off passes and some of those easier throws that I think will help this Jets offense. So I'm still, you know, hopeful of his role in the passing game being what we saw more to, to the Mike White, uh, you know, games as opposed to the Zach Wilson games. And we did see when Wilson came back from the knee injury that he was incorporating that more into a little bit of his game, probably a little bit of a mantra from the coaching staff there. So uh, the primary back on what, a, uh, what an offense should be taking a step in the right direction with better pieces around it. So if you can get Michael Carter cheap without sort of looking at where the highs were last year and sort of, you know, push that fantasy manager selling to the lows and say, well, Zach Wilson wasn't good for him. You know what we're going to get in year two. Uh, maybe you can get him cheap enough that he could still come back and return some significant value. I think he could be a weekly starter for you in the majority of leagues. And it's crazy fits to think about how, how much we expected from Michael Carter in year one. And then he wasn't as good as we expected. So there's just not a lot of chatter about Michael Carter right now, which is, you know, leads exactly to Jamie's point about potentially buying him low. And a couple of the guys just in his range in terms of our trade chart were Mooney, Tony, Allen, Brandon Ayuk, if you're looking for like a one-for-one -one wide receiver type of swap, what do you think about uh, buying low on Carter right now? Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I think we both do, Boggs. We've talked about him before. And like, as Jamie said, give us more of the Mike White, Michael Carter, where he's right. catching like seven, eight passes a game. I mean, he was just PPR goodness. That said, I will be holding my breath, uh, probably especially on, on day two of the draft hoping the Jets do not wind up with either Brees Hall or uh, Kenneth Walker or, you know, even maybe Isaiah Spiller, Brian Robinson. Like, hopefully the Jets do not get one of these top running backs <laughs> to kind of threaten the Michael Carter potential. I actually, I you know, I might like it if they get one of those guys and you can get Carter even cheaper after the draft. I think that might, might even lower him a little bit more. Uh, and, and you know, Sala coming over from San Francisco, they use multiple backs. So even if they get a guy, Carter's still going to be in line for some touches here. Uh, Fitz, who is your first running back that you want to buy low on? All right, let's uh, throw out the name AJ Dillon. And we saw him out carry Aaron Jones down the stretch last year over the Packers last 10 games. And now with the Adams trade that we were talking about earlier, we are going to see the Packers run at a higher percentage this year, and they are going to target their running backs in the passing game at a higher percentage. And that was sort of the code for Aaron Jones to go off whenever Devontae Adams did not play. Aaron Jones usually had like a really spiked uh, usage in the passing game. And I think we're going to see Jones be the primary beneficiary in the passing game, but maybe that means he shifts to more of a traditional passing down back, and we see an even greater percentage of the early down touches going to Dylan. So, and Dylan also showed that he's a pretty good pass catcher in his own right, even though that's something he was never asked to do at Boston College. Like he was hyper efficient as a pass catcher 
for Green Bay last year and actually looked really good doing it. Like occasionally, you know, snagging throws outside the frame of his body. Um, there's just a lot to like here. The, the big body, the, uh, the cold weather team, the, you know, emphasis on the run down the stretch for the Packers in no wide those... receivers at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think that about Sammy Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> so I think things set up pretty well for AJ Dillon here. Who's, you know, given us a, a, a glimpse of some pretty considerable talent in his first couple of years here. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about AJ Dillon? Uh, obviously a big bruising type of back. It fits it well, but Aaron Jones kind of uh, in front of him here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal a line from, from Fitz from earlier uh, when he talked about Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Dillon, once upon a time, if you if you recall, is, is a dollar store version of, of Derrick Henry who had to sit behind DeMarco Murray when he first came into the NFL and then eventually took over and we know what he became. Um, I don't know how much longer Aaron Jones will be this, but I think you know, you've know seen a little bit of the injuries start to become a problem the last couple of years. And uh, A.J. Dillon could be the guy that takes over some of the rushing down works, as you said, rushing down work, as you said, uh, but maybe by next year is the primary back. If Aaron Jones just can't hold up or the Packers, as we know, you know, they, they tend to move on from guys when they get to a point where they're just not productive. Uh, so the contract may be a problem for the Packers and Aaron Jones. They might just have to cut bait. Uh, and we could see A.J. Dillon, maybe not the, the, the star fantasy running back in 2022, but by 2023, he could be that guy. So you're trying to get ahead of it, certainly by, by maybe a year while, while he's still productive in this campaign. Uh, everything that Pat said makes a ton of sense. And so, the, the question will become how much more does he get involved in the passing game? But I do think he's going to be much more involved in the ground game. Uh, the flip side of that, though, I guess the counter would be, is the offense going to be as good because of the way the receiving core sort of shakes up right now? Uh, will they score as many points? Will they move the ball as successfully? Obviously, we're banking on Aaron Rodgers being an MVP uh, once again, which I'm sure he still will be in that mix. But losing Devontae Adams clearly is a blow to this offense. So we still have to see how they retool their receiving core. Uh, I don't think Sammy Watkins is the answer to their problem just yet. <laughs> Uh, but if they do lean more toward the ground game, uh, more incorporating both running backs, not just Aaron Jones in the passing game, A.J. Dillon is certainly somebody that is in that mix of you could still put him in a buy low candidate. And if he does pop, not necessarily to the extent that I think he will this year, but maybe by next year, you'll be thrilled that you got him as cheap as you might be able to this season as opposed to next offseason. Yeah, I, I think the Packers are still going to get rolling, and I wouldn't be surprised if they take a couple wide receivers very early in this draft. They got a lot of picks for Devontae Adams, so they can absolutely invest. Um, but I got a question for you guys before we move on and get to my guy. Are you a one in a hundred investing genius? Good for you. Whatever you're doing with your trades, you've somehow found a way to beat the long-term performance of Wealthfront's automated investing portfolios. For the rest of us, 99% don't skip this ad because joining Wealthfront seems like sounds like a pretty smart idea for you the secret to wealthfront's performance is great software it's built to make it easy re rewarding and yes even delightful to build your long-term wealth wealthfront's automated trading optimizes your portfolio based on your own risk settings helping you reach your financial goals without lifting a finger they also get you automatic tax breaks that can boost your returns even when the market dips kind of like a bonus coupon you can redeem at tax time. You can go with Wealthfront's expert-built portfolios, including a socially responsible option that, does, that is designed around sustainability, diversity, and equity. Or you can build your own portfolio with their uh, uh, curated selection of funds. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth and Investopedia just named them their best robo-advisor for 2022 
and it's only April. Already won an award for the year. To check it out, go to wealthfront.com slash fantasy pros and get started today. Uh, for me and my first running back here in buy low is I'm going to say I'm going to get a guy near the top. J.K. Dobbins. He's currently RB number 15 in ECR for Dynasty. For me, he's 10. We haven't heard a lot of good news on Dobbins, which is why I think he'll be a good buy here. Harbaugh said he'll most likely open camp on the pup. But I think this is more uh, due to the overall change in process for the Ravens after all of the injuries that they sustained last year. And let's not forget. This team runs a lot. They were only third last year, which was a disappointment because they were first in 2020 and first in 2019 in rush attempts. J.K. Dobbins is going to be the lead back. They still have Gus Edwards, who was also coming off an injury, and they haven't added anyone, which is kind of surprising because there are some decent RBs sitting out in the market right now, uh, and they haven't added anyone. They could add someone through the draft, of course, but even if they do, this team runs more than anyone. So I'm buying low on J.K. Dobbins. I think he's still an RB1. Jamie, what do you think of, of Dobbins moving forward? Yeah, I, I, I think the window is, is definitely open now before the draft because you just had the Melvin Gordon rumor of, you know, him visiting or talking to Baltimore. You know, I, I think that was probably a little bit more for leverage. Uh, I, I would be surprised if the Ravens brought in somebody of his caliber, but I would not be surprised if they did go out and address the position in the draft. Uh, like you said, the, the pup list, you know, I think people hear that and they think it's the, the season pup list. It's the training camp pup list. Right. And so uh, most likely they're going to, you know, take their time and be cautious with with him because it wasn't just him. Like you mentioned, it was Gus Edwards and it was Justice Hill. They lost their top three guys. And so, you know, we saw what happened with Tyson Williams and Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray. They were just scrambling to fill that that role. And it never really materialized to the level of what they're used to. So uh, J.K. Dobbins, if it is somebody like a Melvin Gordon, clearly the 2022 campaign could be frustrating. But I still think, as you mentioned, he's so young. He's, uh, I think he's still 23 years old. Um, you know, a guy that, or 24 years old, you know, a guy that has, still has plenty of potential in this offense to be very successful for many, many years as long as he stays there. And so if he doesn't live up to the expectations this year, while he'll still be good, again, by 2023, I don't think Melvin Gordon would be on the roster or somebody like that. So the concern would be more if they, if they go out in the draft and they get Brees Hall or Ken Walker or one of those guys. Yeah. Then I think you got to be a little bit worried about not only the role for Dobbins, but the health for Dobbins, because I think that would be more telling if they do go out and spend, you know, a day two pick on a running back. But, um, you know, if it's just somebody that they're backfilling to get another third guy in there just in case, or maybe to replace Gus Edwards, because he's not right. You know, there's so many moving parts with this right now, but I do think the buy low window is right now before the NFL draft, because post NFL draft, you know, if they don't add anybody, then you're not going to be able to get him as cheap as you might right now. Fitzy, what do you think about uh, going out and buying J.K. Dobbins now? Like Jamie mentioned, it's a little bit of a risk, but it could pay off pretty big if you do it right now. Yeah, I mean, as Jamie mentioned, like that would be kind of an ob ominous harbinger <laughs> if they did like take another running back in the, the first two days of the draft. What I think, though, like contributes to this sort of tepid sentiment towards Dobbins as much as the injury thing is that he has a limited pass catching upside. And we, we kind of know that the Ravens just don't really throw to their backs all that much. So 50 catches, not a chance. 40 catches, probably not. Um, but there's immense touchdown potential here. Just immense. Like yeah. he could be the, the Damian Harris who pops for 15 touchdowns in, in 2022. I don't think that would surprise anyone. So um, like I'm, I'm high on him. I, I agree completely. I'm not too worried about the injury thing unless 
uh, we do see that that day two pick. If if we yeah. do get one of those top two or three running backs in Baltimore, that is going to be a little cause for sweaty palms. But otherwise, I'm in. And, and you know, the older Lamar gets, the less they're going to want him sticking his nose uh, in at the goal line, and the more times he's going to be handing it off. So let's go to RB number two here, Jamie. Who do you got have for RB number two on our buy low here? Yeah, this one might be a little bit obvious, but, you know, Travis Etienne, I think, you know, is is in a great spot. You know, I, I think um, this might be one you want to wait a little bit if you're looking to acquire him because you want to wait until we get the James Robinson is on track for training camp report, you know, and then uh, things get a little bit better for for Travis Etienne. But I, I spoke to Doug Peterson at the uh, at the owners meetings, you know, and he said that the, the, there's one coach that actually stayed on staff with him. I think only one. And it was Bernie Parmalee, the running backs coach. And, you know, he brought him up to say that they, that his staff and Peterson himself liked what they were going to do with ETN uh, last year and the role that they were going to implore him or how they're going to implore him and use him. Um, I think he was speaking more as if Robinson was going to be there or some sort of, you know, complimentary option. But uh, the fact that they're going to use him in a variety of ways, I think they'll certainly throw the ball to him quite a bit. Obviously, the rapport uh, with Trevor Lawrence and ETN from their days in Clemson is going to matter. He was such a special talent at Clemson, you know, a, a do-it-all threat, as we all saw. You know, I think the foot injury seems like it's behind him. Uh, I like the fact that he was joking. If there was a year to miss, it was certainly last year because of the Urban Meyer fiasco. So I think Doug Peterson, he's got 250 catch running backs on his resume and Darren Sproles and Miles Sanders once upon a time. Uh, we know he was good with Jay Ajayi when he acquired him from Miami, you know, in their Super Bowl run. And so he's gotten good production out of his backfield. As long as Robinson is probably slow, this is a guy that's probably a candidate for the season pup list, so he can miss the first six games. Uh, so Travis Etienne's in a really good spot uh, for a guy that, you know, came into the NFL with a lot of hype. Uh, hopefully he can live up to it this season. Pat, what do you think about uh, buying on Travis Etienne? I, I'm totally in here. I, I, you know, James Robinson looks like he's going to be down. Um, uh, I, I, the whole Urban Meyer wanting to move him to wide receiver thing was just so laughable. Like, guy could probably play wide receiver, but you're not going to use his talent at wideout. He's not Tariq Cohen. So, uh, your thoughts on Travis Etienne and, and potentially buying him a little bit low right now. Yep, really like the call. And like you, I did not want to see him in that pseudo-Percy Harvin role that Urban Meyer was envisioning <laughs> for him. I, I think it's a good thing that he's going to be used more conventionally because he is, as Jamie said, in every down, uh, like an all-purpose guy. He can, he can do it all. Uh, do it all back, I think is the phrase Jamie used. So I agree. And he is going to have a nice, uh, wide, clear runway, I think, with uh, the presumably slow recovery from Robinson from that injury. So um like him a lot. And the, the fact that he's paired with Trevor Lawrence again can't hurt at all. And um, I mean, you know, some of these guys right here amari cooper jerry judy Cortland sutton that's kind of the range that we're looking if you're looking for a one-for-one wide receiver deal so i i think those are some good names especially if you can if you can dump cooper to get etn i'm I'm all about it uh pat who is your rb number two here all right so i found out recently just how much people hate miles sanders when i posted (laughs) about a trade i made where i actually traded away jonathan taylor for uh jalen waddle miles sanders a 2023 first and a 2023 second and you know if you want to say i came away light from that trade that's fair that's fine but a lot of the reasoning i saw from the responses i got were miles sanders sucks and uh well, Miles I, Sanders in that deal is kind of the the throw and you get in the the first oh, yeah. and the wide out in the second like my Miles Sanders is kind of the cherry on top here. 
Exactly. And you wouldn't believe how many people pinpointed Miles Sanders as the reason they hated that deal. And I just I think he's a buying opportunity as sort of the anti Damian Harris last year with zero touchdowns uh, in his 12 games and just kind of a fluky thing that he did not punch it into the end zone. I mean, he averaged 5.5 yards a carry. And I know yards per carry is not a great stat, but, you know, he's averaged 5.1 for his career. And last year he was actually fifth in breakaway run percentage among backs with at least 70 carries, trailing only Rashad Penny, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. Pretty good company there. Uh, graded out well per PFF, 32nd in rushing and 22nd receiving among running backs. I don't know if I believe the receiving grade because he averaged like 4.6 yards per target, which is pretty terrible. But um, they're not – Jordan Howard is still a free agent. Um, they do still have Boston Scott. They do have Kenneth Gainwell, but we have seen that Philadelphia is going to run the ball. Maybe not to the extreme that they did last year when down the stretch, they were running at like 64% of the time, basically like a college team. Um, but they are going to run a lot. And after Miles Sanders missed time mid season last year, he came back and had 16 or more carries in three of his next four games. Even if they use a committee, he's going to get a lot of work in that committee. So, um, and as down as people are, like you could get him for an early second rounder in a super flex league, um, maybe for like a Tyler Lockett whose stock has kind of beaten up with the quarterback difficulties in Seattle, uh, a Marquise Brown who, you know, maybe some people like more than I do. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a good time to get him and to test the waters with the uh, Miles Sanders stakeholder in your league and see whether he wants out, he or she and, and, wants out. And I think this is a, a, you know, perfect example. You, you throw, you throw out this trade that you do with the obvious big pieces, Waddle, you know, and, and, and a first uh, you're trading the number one running back in the league. We get it. Uh, but the hate for miles Sanders shows the public sentiment for, uh, you know, for him right now. So Jamie, what do you think about uh, potentially buying on miles Sanders right now? Because it seems like you can get him really cheap, probably cheaper than our, even our trade chart has him. If Twitter is to be believed, but I mean, who really believes Twitter? Of course, it's my favorite uh, name that we've thrown out so far. You know, I, I think, you know, as long as there's not another guy brought in because, that I think is the key to it because Boston Scott, I don't think is a threat. And I don't think Kenneth Gainwell is a threat to his every down rushing work. I think he's more of a threat to his passing down work. But uh, as we saw, and as we know with mobile quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, they're not going to necessarily feature uh, a guy in the, in the ground game because he's going to look to run more than he's going to look to, you know, throw the ball to his backs as, as a safety valve. So, um, you know, Sanders may not get back to that 50 catch level, but I think 40 catches is certainly on the table. Uh, I think you're right. The touchdowns are going to bounce back. I hope in a big way, you know, to where we're talking about a double digit touchdown score, but this offense is probably going to look similar to what was successful for them last year. You know, they'll, they'll probably bring in another receiver, at least hopefully that that would be the case, you know, and, and there's some talk about maybe, you know, teams interested in Jalen Rager. So they might have to, you know, um, you know, do it by necessity, but uh, they'll throw the ball better than they did last year toward the end of the season. But I think Nick Sirianni kind of figured out the formula for his team and, and Miles Sanders should be the catalyst of this ground game. So there's a lot to like about a situation. There's a lot to like about uh, the lack of competition, at least as of now. And so biggest thing for him is just stay healthy. You know, if he can yeah. avoid those injuries and he's in line for what should be an amazing season and for redraft purposes could be an unbelievable value as well, because I think he's going to get drafted outside the starting group, which I think is a mistake. 
And, and you know, that that's exactly the point here is he is a perfect flex option or RB two option because you have your, your good grinding starter. That's going to get a lot of touches. And then you have the explosiveness of miles Sanders, which is going to be make a break perfect as a flex and still in a deeper league, still viable as an RB two as well. Uh, before I give you mine, I got to tell you guys about reality sports online. And by now, most of you have probably heard of reality sports online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team, like an NFL general manager, but the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, auto- automated contract and salary cap functionality, much, much more. think it sounds complicated. It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just takes a little more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the perfect platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock-free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code FANTASYPROS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. I'm going to stay at the top of the RBs here and I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. And I've, you know, this is a name you're going to hear from me uh, for probably up until the season, because he's currently in terms of dynasty RB 18 for me, he's 13 last year, RB 12 overall in total points, 2020 RB eight, 2019 he's RB 21. When he missed three games in terms of points per game, Last season, he was 14. 2020, he was 14. 2019, he was 16. So he has been at least an RB2 every single year. Uh, Every single year, he has been an RB2. And he caught a career high. He had a career high 64 targets last year. The Raiders brought in uh, Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah. These aren't big threats. Kenyon Drake went down injured, uh, but he's on the roster. They don't have much draft capital to spend on RBs this year. They have two picks in the first four rounds because of that trade for Devontae Adams. So there's not a lot of wiggle room for them to make a deal for a running back. And I don't think any of these guys currently on the roster will threaten him. I think he's still going to be a very big workhorse for the Raiders and their offense should be improved with the addition of Devontae Adams. So Jamie, what do you think about potentially buying Jacobs? This isn't a huge buy low, but you're probably going to get him for less than he'll be worth right now if you go out and and try to buy on him. It's a perfect uh, dynasty move for a a contender versus a team that's selling because obviously Josh Jacobs uh, is not necessarily going to, you know, I think by 2023, 2024, uh, depending on when you think your rebuild is complete, is is the type of guy that you're going to get maximum value for. Whereas right now you might, uh, because of everything you just laid out. So the offense is definitely going to be better. Uh, he's typically been better when the Raiders are winning versus the Raiders are losing. His numbers, the splits between the the wins and losses are dramatic for him. And so uh, better team, you know. So hopefully he's going to be in a, in a better spot. The passing game work is really where I just don't know what to make of Josh Jacobs because, like you said, last year was great for him. But the majority of his receptions came when Drake and Darren Waller were not there. And so now you not only have both those guys back, but you have Devontae Adams on the field. And Josh McDaniels, if he's going to stick with the same sort of track record that he had in in New England, he's probably going to use the passing downs back because he's liked to use that uh, more so with Tom Brady than he did with Mac Jones. But I think that was a byproduct of of James White going down. So will it be Drake? Will it be Bolden? Will it be Abdullah? Who knows? I don't think they're bringing anybody else in. I'd love for it to still be Jacobs, but I think just the overall numbers will be better for him. This is another guy that could be 
in in the race for leading the league in touchdowns. You know, just this team being better and, and the fact that he's going to work at the goal line. Um, so I would say he's a he's a ten touchdown guy. He's a candidate for fifteen hundred total yards easy. Uh, and so yes, if you can acquire him, especially if you're looking at it for a team that's in a rebuild mode, um, you know, you might have to pay up a little bit more than you want to because of of the past history of his production. But I agree, I do think the best of Josh Jacobs is yet to come. What do you think, Fitz? You you in on Josh Jacobs as a buy also? I think so. Uh, the expulsion of John Gruden was so good for his value last year as far as spiking that target total. But as yeah. Jamie noted, there were sort of mitigating circumstances with the Waller injury, um, a spillover of targets to Hunter Renfro and Josh Jacobs because, you know, Brian Edwards and, and Zay Jones were not going to get a large portion of that spillover. So, But now with Devontae Adams, a healthy Waller, Remains to be seen if he's going to get that sort of usage in the passing game again. So tentatively uh, excited, and I, I think we have to be uh, optimistic about the the touchdown potential now that that offense should be a lot better with Devontae Adams there. And uh, let's let's talk about some wideouts here. Jamie, who do you have for your first buy low wide receiver target? Yeah, this one it's uh it's interesting for me because I'm not I'm not even sold on it myself, mostly because of his quarterback. But it's Terry McLaurin, just because I believe in his talent so much. Um, I'm I'm really curious to see what Washington does in the draft about the quarterback position. Are they going to, you know, just say Carson Wentz is our guy because we gave up two second round picks for him, or if they get, you know, the guy that they might be targeting, whether it's you know a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett or whoever, or if they trade down, you know, from eleven and maybe get somebody a little bit later in the draft or even a day two quarterback. So. Um, McLaurin, you know, is, is kind of, I think, made a stand. You know, he wants to be paid. Uh, will Washington budge and pay him? If not, maybe he's out the door next season and ends up in a better spot uh, because he is still young. He's still got, again, so much talent. And so he succeeded despite his quarterback play over the first three seasons of his career. Last year was the worst year of his performance. And hopefully Carson Wentz is better than Taylor Heineke. Uh, I think we were all hoping to see Ryan Fitzpatrick, knowing what Fitzpatrick has done for his number one receivers. That didn't materialize because of the hip injury to the quarterback. So uh, hopefully Wentz can at least get a Michael Pittman type of season out of Terry McLaurin. I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. Uh, but maybe even we get the Case Keenum type of performance from McLaurin's standpoint, what we saw from him earlier in his career. So uh, I think people are, 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 are obviously down on him, uh, McLaurin, because of uh, the failures from a year ago. And knowing that Carson Wentz isn't the best quarterback upgrade that maybe Washington even could have had this offseason. So you can get him cheap enough. I, I think he's a guy you want to acquire because I still think the best of, of Terry McLaurin is going to be in front of us, if not 2022 maybe. Uh, 2023 and beyond Fitz, this, this is a tricky one because I completely agree. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see a guy like Terry McLaurin play with some bad QBs and still have success. You start to think of, well, you know, what happened when Deandre Hopkins got a good QB, right? And he was one of the league leaders. This is exactly the kind of thing that could happen for Terry McLaurin. But if you look at the trade chart, still kind of expensive. He's costing a guy like Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones. But these are running backs that are a little bit longer in the tooth. We know that the um, wide receivers obviously last much longer because of the brutality of the RB position. If you're looking for a one-for-one -one deal from a different position, he is kind of costly because RBs are hard to replace, but he's going to last so much longer. And we have definitely not seen the best of Terry McLaurin yet. So what do you think about potentially going out and buying him low? Yeah. So I'm conflicted here for the reasons we've talked about the, the mitigating circumstances with his supporting cast. And like Jamie, I love the player himself. I think he's fantastic. Um, not excited to see them uh, go with, with Wentz. 
Um, you know, not excited <laughs> about the possibility that they might be going with a, a wide receiver uh, at what number eleven? I think is where they're picking. I mean, that's yep. certainly on the table for them. But I mean, it is the quarterback situation that is potentially prying open this buy low window. So yeah. Jamie is spot on with that. And above all else, like I try to, you know, value players based on their talents and sort of minimize the supporting cast, especially in Dynasty, where things can change pretty quickly. So I do agree in principle, like get this talented guy who is probably as cheap as he is ever going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it. this is why we have these buy lows. There's always a situation where you can buy a guy low. Uh, Fitz, who's your first wide receiver you want to talk about buying low on? So the first rule of investigative journalism, Bogman, is to follow <laughs> the money. And uh, in this case, follow the big money with Christian Ooh. Kirk. And it's easy to follow the money with Christian Kirk because it's pretty much falling out of his pockets wherever he walks. <laughs> yeah, just um, walk behind him. Exactly. And... I feel like the Jaguars are destined to make him their primary slot guy and sort of, uh, you know, put uh, LaVisca Chenault out of his misery there. Like, not that I've totally given up on Chenault, but even though Kirk has inside-outside versatility, I would love to see him be the full-time slot guy for Trevor Lawrence. So I just think the Jaguars' offense is going to be better after the Urban Meyer clown show. Kirk's still only 25 and has been pretty good. I mean, he had a a career-high 9.5 yards per target last year. There's a lot of potential here. And, uh, you know, I do think we're going to see better things from Trevor Lawrence in year two. I think it's a good time to buy in Kirk, who surprisingly, at least according to our Dynasty trade value chart, Uh, I think the market is a little tepid on him right now. So, I mean, if you can get him for maybe a late first rounder in rookie drafts, um, you know, a a veteran running back. um, Yeah, I think he's a it's a good time to buy in on him. This is the first one that makes me a little nervous, I think. But of course, you know, uh, Jamie, you can see my background. I'm a Texas fan. I'm not going to be talking up too many Aggies here uh, (laughs) with Christian Kirk, Uh, but also like Kirk. Kirk just kind of seemed like he was always third fiddle in Arizona, but Fitz has got the point. They gave him the money. If you look at money and targets, he should get 150 targets this year in this offense. And we, you know, even with improvements and having high draft picks and all that stuff, Jaguars probably still going to be down in a lot of games and playing catch up. So the opportunity is absolutely there. Are you in on buying uh Christian Kirk low right now, or are you think you're going to stay away? I don't know if I'd spend a first round pick on Christian Kirk, but I'd be looking to acquire him for sure. Because I mean, the path to success is there. You know, we all expect Trevor Lawrence to be better, whether it's just his talent, you know, overcoming the situation or just again, as the situation has shown us to be better with Doug Peterson taking over there. Uh, The receiving core clearly needed an upgrade and and they went out and they addressed it. And I think a lot of people look at the money and we know, obviously we'll make jokes about it, uh, but you have to overpay to get guys to go to Jacksonville. And so, you know, if he was going to get 13 to 15, it probably takes 15 to 17 to get him to a place like that. And so is he the ideal number one alpha receiver that's getting paid that way? No, I think we all agree on that. But is he the path to 150 targets? Probably so, because this receiving core needed it. And so um, they bring in Evan Ingram, they bring in Zay Jones, you know, they're going to get Travis Etienne back. So everything almost is changing for Jacksonville. The biggest change has to be, can Christian Kirk handle being the guy that's going to see, you know, the, the, the better competition from a cornerback standpoint? I think that's probably safe especially if he's lining up in the slot more times than not but can he handle the pressure of living up to that contract which we know the expectations are not high 
But more importantly, can Trevor Lawrence live up to the expectations of yeah. being the number one overall pick and playing like the guy everybody anointed as the next great superstar to enter the NFL, which clearly he was a flop as a rookie. So the offensive line is already better with Brandon Scherf there. The coaching staff is better. So Christian Kirk's in an ideal spot to outperform everything that he's ever done. You know, people look at him and say he's never had a thousand yard season. He's never done this. Well, clearly now that's his chance. You know, it's his, it's, it's, it's his, it's his, you know, playing field to, uh, to take advantage of. So uh, for a high second round pick, I probably would be buying in a first round pick. You know, I don't know how he's going to compare to some of the guys that we'll see at the end of the first round of a rookie draft, but he's in that mix for sure. And so we're probably splitting hairs a little bit, but uh, I don't know if I want to overpay for Christian Kirk, but if somebody that's a, a non-contending team is looking to sell him to a contender, I think that's a good buy for that contending team. I'm not buying the Aggie, but I understand the logic. It's there for sure. Um, for me, this is my favorite one. And this is why we do stuff like this is uh, my, for me, it's Juju. Juju Smith-Schuster, currently wide receiver number 35 in ECR. He's my 19. I know a lot of people don't see it this way. I get it. And w- the criticism that we've heard about Juju is that as soon as AB left, Juju fell off, which is, it's true, but let's not forget what Juju was dealing with, right? In tw- in 2019, it's Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. It's the corpse of, of Ben Roethlisberger the last couple seasons, and he was hurt last year. So uh, add all this up, he's still, I believe, 16 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's a very, very young wide receiver that has been in the league for a very long time. And now he plays with one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Patrick Mahomes. And if you're worried about Juju and AB and saying, well, you have to have another big target next to him, Travis Kelsey's still there, guys. And they're probably going to draft someone big in the first round. So there's going to be other cross traffic that will leave Juju in one-on-one. Patrick Mahomes is an expert at getting the ball to guys in tight spaces. I just think this is going to add up to a great year. He's also on a contract because he's playing on a one-year deal to get himself some money after the season. So I just think everything is adding up here for Juju. Uh, Fitz, we'll start with you on this one. Are are you in on buying Juju with me, or are you uh, concerned about the last couple seasons of what we've seen from him? No, I'm with you, and um, hopefully you can still buy low because no one has had a better change of ecosystems, I think, this offseason than Juju. I mean, going from, as you mentioned, like the quarterbacking that he was dealing with in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, at, at, I don't know if Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges were upgrades over Roethlisberger uh, <laughs> at, at that point. Um, so, yeah, and now he's getting passes from Patrick Mahomes. And if defenses now think the way to beat Mahomes is by playing this uh, two deep safety look all the time. I mean, that's going to play into Juju's hands. Like he underneath. is a sh- underneath short area, intermediate uh, parts of the field. So yeah, he's, he's not the number one receiver. I mean, we know that's still Kelsey, you know, even if he's technically a tight end, but um, so yeah, like this is just such a good setup for Juju. Um, and a, a guy who produced those sorts of numbers, I know it helped to have Antonio Brown there, but to put up the kind of prolific numbers he did at this, this young age, like that precocious production in his very early twenties, um, there's just no way that Juju sucks. Like there were mitigating circumstances. <laughs> there was a reason why he was struggling the last couple of years and it, it wasn't him. It was the supporting cast. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big part of it. And look, the trade chart, you know, because he's wide receiver 35 is pretty low. It's guys like Rashad Penny, who hasn't had a full season ever. James Conner, who is injury prone. Chase Edmonds, who is now in a share in Miami. So these are the names 
that you could potentially flip to get a guy like Juju who has high upside. Uh, Jamie, are, are you with us on the Juju train or are you kind of staying away from it? No, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, Pat kind of hit on something there, though, just in terms of the window to buy low, because I, I think the Juju manager looks at it and says, well, why am I giving up on him now? You know, and, and, right. and again, he is he is still young. He's in this situation. The other side of it would be um, how many receivers do they add? Is it just one in the first round or do they, you know, look at it and say, OK, we really have to restock the barrel because uh, restock the cupboard because um, we, we not only lose uh, a Tyreek, Tyre. you know, Byron Pringle from a depth standpoint is gone. You know, so do we do we have to just bring in, you know, more bodies and, and, and youth and Miko Hardman is not the answer as well. And so. You know, and is Juju out the door after the season, you know, so they might be looking at it as they have to really, you know, bring in some more bodies there. But I think if they if they don't and it's, you know, Juju, Hardman, uh, MVS and, and, and a rookie, uh, you're buying on Juju's you know, history and, and still youth. You know, I think he's only 25. So there's just so much to love about the situation. So hopefully you still get him cheap enough, um, whereas, you know, you're not just, you know, uh, overpaying for a guy that may not live up to the heights that you even have for him yourself. Yeah, and look, I almost put Hardman on this, but they draft two wide receivers like you mentioned, and now Hardman is you know nothing. It may end up on a different team. Who knows uh, after this year? So I wanted to put Hardman on here because I do believe in him, but I just yeah, I don't have the stones to do it before the draft. That's all. That's all I'm saying. So uh, who is your last wide receiver that you have here uh, to give us a buy low for, Jamie? Uh, it's Rondell Moore. Um... You know, looking at the Christian Kirk departure, I think it's a great situation for him. Uh, I spoke to Cliff Kingsbury at the owners' meetings. He said this is a guy we should have got on the field a little bit more last year. You know, <clears throat> obviously a little tough with, you know, Green and Hopkins and, and Kirk. But, you know, he mentioned using him in the Debo Samuel role. So uh, I think Rondell Moore could really have a, you know, just not a breakout, breakout season, but certainly a much better second season. Uh, and I think the perception of him is, is obviously very low for his minimal production that he had. So we saw, you know, he had a high, uh, a couple high games in terms of target spikes, but never really materialized over a full season. Uh, they can use him in the backfield. So I like the setup for, for Rondell Moore quite a bit. Yeah, this Cliff Kingsbury offense is going to be uh, very, very interesting, obviously. You know, uh, hopefully we don't get any, you know, we we talked about how crazy this offseason has been. Hopefully we don't get any other nuttiness with uh, potentially Kyler Murray uh, getting flipped uh, during the draft because of all of his unfollowing of the social media and all that uh, nonsense, which, you know, we all hate that is news, but of course it is news now. But uh, Rondell Moore, I like as a buy for sure. Uh, Fitz, if I'm not mistaken, you are a Rondell Moore guy, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Up here in Big Ten country. I mean, I fell in <laughs> love with him in 2018 when he laid waste to Ohio State pretty much single handedly. Um, so really exciting, man. And I, I, the thing that bothers me, like I feel like there is sneaky Steve Smith potential here. Like he totally reminds me Ooh. of him, the size, the speed, the competitiveness, the toughness. I mean, like Rondale Moore can squat like you know, a Mack truck, basically. And um, he is just this little keg of dynamite. But, you know, I didn't love his usage in the uh, horizontal passing attack of Cliff Kingsbury. And I actually thought like he might fit real well into that. But his average depth of target last year was 1.4 yards. And Jamie mentioned like the possibility that he's used in the Debo Samuel role. 
that could be a good thing, but I don't want it to be 2020 Debo Samuel where right. Debo's uh, a dot that year was 2.2 yards, I think. So <laughs> like, I want to see more of a traditional slot role for Rondale. And I'm kind of hoping that as Jamie mentioned, like Christian Kirk's departure opens that up. I'm going to be a little worried if we see the Cardinals draft either, you know, a pure slot receiver, like a, a sky Moore type or something, or, a guy who could maybe be used as a big slot like Traylon Burks. So I'm going to be really interested to see what the Cardinals do at the receiver position. If there are no obvious threats to Rondale, then absolutely wheels up. I mean, I love the player. I just don't know if I trust Cliff Kingsbury to get the most out of him. Well, Cliff Kingsbury definitely won't get the most of his timeouts. We know that for sure. But, uh, you know, uh, hopefully he, you know, being an offensive guru that that he is, he can do that. But I, because of his offensive, you know, one track mind, I worry that they'll take a wide receiver. But uh, I, I think Rondell Moore is going to be great, uh, even if they do add one. So uh, who's, who's the last guy you're buying on the cheap right now? Fitzy, who you got? Marquez Callaway. And I think you can get him for pocket change, like for a Dearness really Johnson can. type yeah. or, you know, yeah, some uh, CJ Uzuma, type, maybe a little last round rookie pick. Yeah, you could kind probably of. snag him for very cheap. Yeah, I like this call. And he might get even cheaper if the Saints do take Chris Olave or uh, someone else from the front line of this receiver class. And I just think that the speed is going to play with Jameis Winston, like Callaway, good size, 6'2", 204, and this dude can fly. And he had six touchdowns last year, and three of them came in the first five weeks before Jameis got hurt. Then it's kind of easy to see why things didn't you know, really pop for Callaway the rest of the way with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill at quarterback. So um, average depth of target of 12.3 yards last year. This guy's a home run hitter, 15.2 yards per catch. Um I just like the talent here. I'm willing to bet on it. Even if they add someone to this wide receiver room, even with Michael Thomas coming back, like Callaway just turned 24. Like there is still time, even if it doesn't happen in 2022. Like I, I like this guy's future. Callaway's a burner, Jamie. Uh, what, what do you think about potentially adding him? And I think the big part here is what Fitz just mentioned. You can get him for pretty much nothing right now. So if you think there's even a glimmer of hope on this guy, you need to go get him, right? Uh, I totally agree. You know, you're, you're looking at a guy that wasn't ready to be the one, uh, and he was forced into that role because of Michael Thomas' absence. And so uh, I think Thomas back, I think even if it's, you know, another you know guy like you mentioned, uh, a frontline wide receiver with the two picks on that they have in the first round, uh, he still will be on the field quite a bit. He's a big target, you know. Um, and there's also, you know, we – we really think, you know, that Pete Carmichael is going to run the same offense that Sean Payton ran, but you know, he, he may have his own little wrinkles that he decides to do. There's also the the looming possibility of a suspension for Alvin Kamara and Morris put on the passing game in the quarterback, you know, because of what happened to Kamara following the pro bowl. Um, so if that happens, you know, and they don't really uh, have the same type of uh, running game or certainly the same type of pass catcher at the backfield that Kamara brings for whatever amount of games Kamara might miss. Uh, more targets, you know, to the wide receiver core there. So I agree, you know, this is a guy that you might be able to get for, you know, depending how deep your draft is around three to five pick on rookie only draft. And uh, the later, the better, because, you know, uh, this offense, I think will still be good enough. The last guy that that I've got uh, for you guys, and this is, I don't know, I, I 
I feel like it's a buy low, but I, maybe it's not. I, Kadarius Tony uh, for the New York Giants. He's wide receiver number 40 in ECR. I've got him as a wide receiver three at number 34. He was a first-round pick last year. The Giants will be installing the new offense. You know, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about with Daniel Jones applies to Kadarius Tony too. And, I mean, just look at what Dable and, and the staff did with Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Tony showed flashes last year um, against Dallas in week five, 13 targets, 10 catches, 189 mm-hmm. yards. He had a 12-target week against Tampa Bay in week 10 uh, before his injury. He missed seven games with oblique shoulder. He had COVID as well. And um, just looking at the trade chart, it's guys like Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Eli Mitchell, Damian Harris. So if you're RB heavy and you need a wide receiver, I think Kadarius Tony is, is going to be a guy. And Jamie, you're you're the you're the Florida man here. So what do you think about Kadarius Tony and his potential in this New York Giants offense? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you're talking to a Gator, so you know he's he's the guy that I've watched quite a bit. Um, I hope he can stay healthy. You know, that seems to be a little bit of a concern right now. I do think the coaching staff is going to, you know, unleash him and hopefully feature him. Um, it's such a fascinating offense, as we talked about earlier, because, you know, these guys were never really healthy at the same time with Galladay and Jones and Barkley and and, and Tony as well. And so um, as long as Shepard, I think, stays out and he could sort of live in the slot, which I kind of think is where they would have, have envisioned him last year as well under that coaching staff. Um, he's got a huge opportunity in front of him. So they'll be creative with him, you know, bubble screens and, you know, all, all the jet sweeps and all the opportunities to put the ball in his hands that way. Uh, but he's got to prove that he can be a legitimate wide receiver. So they'll move him inside, they'll move him outside. Um, I do think that Dable's, you know, uh, creativity will certainly help him. But as long as he just stays on the field, you know, you're banking on a first-round talent that is, uh, you know, just electric with the ball in his hand. So uh, if you don't have to overpay for Kadarius Tony, it's a perfect buy-low candidate because there's still so much upside based on the uh, limited glimpse that he showed us last season. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to have many an article of who's the next Debo Samuel. And a couple guys we've mentioned here could be Rondo Moore, could be Kadarius Tony, could be this year. I don't know if anyone has the uh, same unbelievable type of running ability that Debo has, but Tony is one of those guys that could be used in multiple sets. Uh, I'll take the next quarter of Patterson if that's what he can become. Too. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, not, not as late in his career, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what do you think about Tony moving forward, Fitzy? Jamie said it. I mean, it's it's just we're hoping that this guy is not the next chronically injured player because it wasn't yeah. just one injury that was plaguing him <laughs> uh, late last season. It was like six different things. It was like every body part on this guy broke down at some point late in the year. And I think he had COVID, too. Like just yeah. anything that could take this guy out of action was doing it. Um to his credit, he was at least trying to come back like he was uh, still playing through some of it. But that two week stretch we saw weeks four and week five, if if memory serves, like when he had um, so many targets and just like he looked so good, so explosive. I mean, he is just a freaky athlete. And if Dable can fully leverage that. If he can stay fully healthy, I think we're going to see pretty big things from him. And like there is superstar potential. We saw that in weeks four and five last year. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Well, look, that's going to wrap it up for us. Jamie, you can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Eisenberg from CBS. What do you guys have coming up? Uh, you know, just getting ready for the draft. You know, we have our podcast, uh, which you can find, you know, on YouTube, wherever pop cat podcasts are available, our fantasy football today podcast, and you can check us out. Uh, CBS sports HQ. It's our 24 hour streaming network, but just getting ready for the NFL draft. I think like everybody else, it's, uh, you know, like you said, it it feels like it's still, you know, three weeks to a month away, but it's just next week. So it's going to have a a lot of, a lot of impacts, a lot of implications on a a lot of the things we've been talking about even today. So 
going to be fun to uh, get past that and, and see how all these rosters look like. And uh, Fitzy, what do you got coming up here? Same here, Boggs. Uh, the, the draft prep at Fantasy Pros continues. We're going to be adding to our Dynasty draft kit, and uh, we're going to be prepping for our best ball draft kits after the NFL draft. So getting excited. Yeah. Great time lots, of year. Lots of work to be done. Uh, the, the draft is going to be a ton of fun next week. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of coverage. Of course, you can check out Jamie, like I said, at Jamie Eisenberg, at Bogman Sports for myself, at Fitz underscore FF for Fitzy and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fantasy pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.